Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. And now, the word of the Lord from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and the spirit to those who walk in it. I, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord from Psalm 29. Please respond with the bolded text. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The Lord makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
We are witnesses to all he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of the Lord. Will you guys stand with me for the reading of the gospel found in the Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, Suddenly, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. The word of the Lord. Yes, amen. You may be seated. I am starting to believe that this Jesus character is a big deal, y'all. And so we will spend the next year, 50-some-odd weeks, exploring the ramifications of Jesus, exploring the identity and the nature and the character of Jesus, because we recognize as we explore the nature and the character and identity of Jesus, we're also learning something about ourselves, right? What we see in Jesus is something that we need to know about God. Amen? But what we also see, in, that was not very good, by the way. I'll give you another chance here in a second. But what we also see in Jesus is who you and I can be. And all God's people said, Amen. much, much better. And so here we are in this new season, the season of Epiphany. And y'all help me. I'm going to do my best here. Hopefully this works. Ready? Go. Is it, are we close? If not, Chris Yates can go, just come lay down up here again, I guess, if he, if he needs to. There we go. This is our new sermon series for Epiphany, Jesus the Way. And here's what I mean by that. Epiphany is, we're going to hear some surprising things about Jesus, but also about the way that Jesus goes about being God. And again, we will in the same breath be learning about the surprising ways that you and I can go about being Jesus. Jesus the Way. I really like it. So we will have some discussions about high Christology. Now, fancy term that means, how is it that Jesus tells us something about God? But also there will be low Christology, which means that we will talk about how it is that Jesus tells us something about ourselves. For me, a little bit of a testimony here, I seem to have a harder time in discussions of low Christology then high Christology. I, I can kind of get that this Jesus character tells us something about the God of the universe. What's harder for me is to recognize that Jesus was a lot 
is a lot like me or that I'm a lot like Jesus. That's difficult. But we need to assume that Jesus is every bit ingrained as human as you are. I mean, that's part of the mystery and the vitality of our faith. We lose something. If, if you can't really get your mind wrapped around that, then we, we're kind of at a stopping place. Then how is it that this Jesus goes about salvaging and saving human lives if this Jesus doesn't know what it means to be us? So it's important that we talk about it. Did Jesus know from the outset, from the nativity, at 12 years old, did Jesus really know everything that was coming? Did he get it? Did he get it? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that when we have these really great moments over here in the baptistry, where Lisa or Avarilla or one of our other pastors are baptizing somebody, but especially when it's a child, we at times will say, and I'll do this like in the introduction, listen, we don't expect that someone getting baptized knows all of the ramifications of being baptized. You don't, just because you're baptized, fully get it, but the hope is that someday it will get you. Right? Did Jesus really, really get it? Don't know. If he is as human as I believe him to be, and as human as I am, then maybe he didn't completely get it, but slowly, over a period of time, it got him. And maybe the story that we're going to talk through today, the story of Jesus' baptism, is one of those times when it got him. So, let's go back through these verses, maybe a little more slowly. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, already this is a problem for lots of people. Why in the world did Jesus need to be baptized? What was wrong with Jesus. Did he need to be cleansed? Was he guilty of something? Because if he is, that contradicts other voices in scripture, right? So what's Jesus doing? First of all, the Jordan River. By the way, that is the Jordan River. The Jordan River was highly symbolic. You remember this, right? The people of God walk across the Jordan River because God gave them the capacity to walk across the river because the water was stopped up way upstream. They went to, through, to the, through the Jordan River, and on the other side, they were a different people. Something was different. They were now in the promised land. Similarly, we understand Jesus going through this experience and being something different afterward than he was before. But did he need to be cleansed? Well, John certainly didn't think so. I mean, John actually says no. Now, you get the impression looking at this verb here, uh, translated would have prevented, you get the impression that this is a little bit kinder than perhaps it was. What it could have said is, but John refused. John, perhaps knowing Jesus, says, what are you here what are you here for? How is it that I'm supposed to somehow cleanse you? Because that's how John understood this moment of baptism. If we were to look back just a few verses earlier, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. And so he would have assumed, Jesus, if you're stepping into this water, you must have done something. <laughs> how am I baptizing you? You, knowing what I know about you, you should be baptizing me. So what are we going to say here? Does Jesus need to repent? Does Jesus need cleansing? Or is there something else going on here 
that we should be paying attention to? And the answer is yes. Jesus tells us here. Jesus says to John, buddy, relax a little bit. <laughs> relax. I need to be fully incarnated. I need to go all the way to where the people are. I need to experience everything that is to be experienced by humanity. Let it be so now, for it is proper, it is right for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Well, that's an interesting term. What is your working definition of righteousness? It is, for many people, and this is not entirely wrong, it is a measure of one's purity, a personal measure of one's purity. Righteousness is my measure of good behavior, right? But this is not what Jesus meant. And throughout the Old Testament, righteousness had a broader meaning. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, this term righteousness had a relational sort of aspect to it. And we believe that this is what Jesus means too. To fulfill all righteousness is to say, no, this is me walking in complete solidarity, complete solidarity with the people of God. This is me walking in complete solidarity. Solidarity. This is me being completely incarnated so that you can know for certain that I know what it is to be you. And also so that you can know that I've come all the way here for you. This completes and is a demonstrable public demonstration that I am fully, says God in Christ, connected to you. This fulfills all righteousness. And so this is again the move of God to be with us, to identify with us. The relationship between God and all of humanity is secured in the incarnation and then demonstrated publicly in Christ's baptism as Jesus is himself fashioned and organized for relationship and all that's coming next. In other words, the God of the good creation is still recreating even in this moment and incorporating Jesus into the movement. Now, do you remember the Genesis story? The Genesis creation story, particularly the one in chapter one. Remember this? You had some matter. The earth was formless and void. But then God and the voice of God hovered over all that was and spoke a particular order into creation. So you have the presence of God manifested as a voice, you have water, right? And then you have life that takes a particular form that is going to be ultimately a representation of God. All of those same elements are available to us here in Matthew chapter 3. In fact, with the creation narrative in mind as a backdrop, just listen as I read these verses for us. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water... Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then the voice, the same voice from Genesis 1, speaks, speaks creation into a particular order, saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Right? So there was water, and there was chaos. But then the voice of God speaks and creation is given a very distinctive and particular peculiar order. And the words used by the voice give us some idea of Jesus' life, how it will be organized and ordered 
And in fact, the voice uses language very similar to what we've already heard read today. This is my servant, my son, whom I love. Did you hear what Britt read earlier from 42.1? And what we understand to be the first of all the servant songs in the book of Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Oh, that was a goosebump moment for, the, for me this week. When I could read this story right out of the New Testament, right out of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 3, and still, and still have whiffs and whispers of the God who spoke creation into order in Genesis 1. Now, I hope you're ready for this. Because Jesus moves into the neighborhood to tell us who and how we can be, this same story and these same words tell us how we can be and how and who it is that we are in the moment, how we too can and should understand our baptism and our community of baptism. And we will need all the help we can get because, like Jesus, you do know what's coming next, right? Like in the very next chapter. Temptations. Not the musical group. <laughs> but temptations, the real ones. Real life temptations. The kind that can derail a calling. That can derail a New Year's resolution, right? The kind that can derail a covenant unless we are mindful thoughtful, and intentional. Your covenants aren't safe just because you made them years to go. None of your covenants are safe just because you spoke them years ago. Hopefully you recognize the power and the potential of a good old-fashioned vow renewal. Or have you ever addressed your covenants since you made them years ago? Perhaps Jesus, in his intentionality, gave himself to a covenant, but over a period of time, maybe even Jesus grew, now listen to this, maybe even Jesus grew toward Christ-likeness. Does that make some sense? Like, what did he know when he was 12? Who knows? What does any 12-year-old know? Quite a bit. Quite a bit, right? Quite a bit. But what did Jesus know? And when did he know it? Is there a possibility that Jesus is so much like you and me that Jesus understood some things at developmentally appropriate times, but then the other, <laughs> the other part of his life was spent slowly but surely in the process of habits and practices, slowly but surely growing in his understanding of what it meant to be him? Yeah, he got some things, but over a period of time, I think faith got him. I think faith got him. And that's what we're doing here today. We're being reminded of the God who is in Christ Jesus. We're being reminded of the gift of covenantal grace that's always on offer to us, all of us, the bride, and each of us, insert your name here. And we're being reminded of our roles in keeping the covenant alive, and fresh, and vibrant, and healthy by praying. Perhaps you're somebody who is helped by fasting. Jesus will. 
in remembering the biblical story. It's another good way to do it. In withstanding the temptations to live according to the world's definitions of success, Jesus did, in fact, grow toward Christ-likeness. And all of that, the temptations and the dangers, but also the resources for faithful living, are both available and accessible to us today as well. In a sense, you could say it like this. What do we as a church, what do we exist to be or to do? We used to have a phrase that we use quite a bit around here. Uh, Jason, I don't see Jason, he's been raptured. <laughs> but the phrase went something like this, we are being formed into our, a people who reflect the identity of Jesus Christ. Ah, I like that. Here's another way to say it. Here's what we exist to do and to be. We exist to be the people, the kind of community that can help the baptized live faithfully into their baptismal vows. Now, maybe you're saying, I, don't, I haven't been baptized yet, and I would like to be baptized. We would love to baptize you. In the second Sunday of the next couple of months, if you would like to be baptized, we would love to baptize you. There are going to be some kids who are going to be baptized. Now, again, they're not going to know all of what it means to be amongst the baptized. I don't know if I were be baptized today that I would know all of what it means to be amongst the baptized. But we are a community organized to help one another learn what it means to be the people of God, to live up to and into our baptismal vows. Another guy that I really have liked to read over the years is a theologian and ethicist by the name of Stanley Hauerwas. And he said it like this, he said, Christians are called to be a community capable of forming people with virtues sufficient to witness to God's truth in the world. Wow. Wow, that's, that's really good. In a book entitled, A Community of Character. A Community of Character. Did Jesus get it? I don't know. It's hard to know. I do believe, though, that Jesus was not only fully God, but fully human. Do you believe that? And if Jesus was and is fully human, in addition to being fully God, then doesn't it stand to reason that Jesus would also have benefited from moments like these, from seasons of prayer, from fasting, from diving deep into the Word, so that this same Jesus fully human, would have the capacity to resist temptations. And, and listen, don't you dare subtract credibility points from Jesus saying, well, of course he was able to overcome those temptations. He was God. Yeah, but he was fully you too. And if Jesus being fully you, insert your name here, can withstand those temptations by practicing these vows, <laughs> by remembering these vows through prayer, through immersion into the story, through acts of service, then is it possible that whatever the temptations you may face tomorrow, and some of you are facing some significant temptations tomorrow, and I know some of them, the hope of the gospel is you can make it. You can make it. What evidence do you have, John? Well, Jesus made it. Well, he's fully God. Yeah, but he was also fully you. Fully you. And if Jesus 
having given himself to remembering, having given himself to scripture, having given himself to prayer, can make it. And so can I. And by the way, so can you. You don't know what I'm facing. No, but I know who's going to face it with you. You can make it. Now, I don't know if you have checked in or checked out during the service so far. I will tell you, it's time to check back in. And maybe, maybe, just like if you were, if you were going out on, on an anniversary date, and maybe it's your spouse, but maybe it's one of your best friends. If you were to go out on an anniversary date, and you were to have your phone right here the entire time, it sort of subtracts some of the meaning from the anniversary date itself. Amen? Maybe lose the phone just for a little while. I promise in 30 minutes it will still be there. Maybe, maybe over the next half hour or so, you could explore as if it was new to you all over again the nature of the grace that is always on offer to you? Well, what is going to be required from me? Well, a little and a lot. A, a little, here's what's required of you. At some point, you're going to need to say yes to the grace that it's on offer to you. And in saying yes, you'll find this Jesus asked for your life. So you better pay attention. There's a lot on the line.